Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm bringing you a special episode of the Boca podcast today called Workflow Wednesday. During these special edition episodes, myself and my co-hosts will focus on helping you develop more efficient daily and weekly workflows around post-production, communication, task and project management, time management, file and image management, and yes, the list does go on. We're going to save you an incredible amount of time in your work week, and we promise not to be too nerdy. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. And we are officially live. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Workflow Wednesday and uh, a little bit of a twist, a variation on the Workflow Wednesday series episodes. We're here with uh, not only Haley and Rich and Heather, as we normally are, but also with Alana Lee. Is that right, Alana? Absolutely. <laughs> and it's a privilege to have you here. And um, we're going we're gonna to do something a little bit different today. We're actually going to answer questions that Alana, who is a relatively new photographer, uh, has posed to us. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But just very briefly, for those of you who are signing in or listening in or watching for the first time, Workflow Wednesday series is a production of Photographer's Edit. Um, we push this out to the Boca podcast. So for those of you who want to listen again in audio format, you can go to bocapodcast.com, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. And then, of course, this is running live currently on Facebook Live as well. And if you just go to facebook.com slash photogs edit, P-H-O-T-O-G-S-E-D-I-T, you can watch uh, not only now, obviously, but uh, the reruns as well. You can check these out. But this is a series focused on workflow. And today, as I mentioned, we're going to put a little bit of a spin on that. And uh, we're going to talk probably a little bit about workflow, but we're also going to answer some questions regarding how to get into photography, how to run a, a professional photography business. And uh, so maybe before we get into some of those questions, Alana, that you had sent to us ahead of time, we'd love for you just to tell us briefly about yourself and your business. First off, I want to thank you guys so much for having me on the show. It is such a privilege to get to meet and to network with other photographers and to learn. Um, so I recently moved to the Pacific Northwest from Texas about the beginning of the summer um, I focused primarily on uh, product photography for a company, and then I decided to move, and I wanted to open up, have my own business. And I've never had my own business before, but I love photography. It's almost like, it sounds kind of weird, but it's almost kind of meditative when I start taking the photos, because I'm just focused on taking a picture, and everything else kind of gets lost in that. And I love it. It's so much fun, and taking pictures of people are so much more interesting like product photography has a purpose and a place you know a nice dress you know good shot of food but um yeah i just i love taking people's pictures portrait photography is something that's really fun and i'm slowly transitioning into wedding photography as well now that i'm here nice. <laughs> well, i have to say that your your excitement is contagious um <laughs> i i can yes. i remember those days too where that I mean, it's just that that vibrant sure. energy that you feel, the excitement to go do a shoot or to go sh photograph a wedding. And of course, the newness of the experience of being a photographer and learning to use the gear. And uh, I actually had the opportunity to photograph a wedding 
let's see, it's been last week, about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago at the most. And uh, I hadn't photographed a wedding for a number of years. And it was it was kind of that that experience, that feeling, that energy all over again. And it came back really, really fast. And it was it was pretty exciting. But um, I, I love your energy. I love your enthusiasm. And uh, if I could just right off the bat, make a recommendation yeah, do any and everything possible to maintain that enthusiasm. And one of the things that I have so much respect for regarding Rich and Rich Smith photography is his energy that he carries. It's unusual. A lot of photographers, and, and they're they're laughing right now. You're um, embarrassing him. That, that energy comes out in a variety of ways. Uh, stop and, and it. Please very stop. Stop. <laughs> but I have to say that when it comes to actually connecting with clients or potential clients, that energy becomes extremely contagious and they can't help but want to connect with you. And of course, not only does that mean new business, but also means a good relationship, hopefully with those clients. And that translates all day long to much better photography. Uh, right, so yeah. I, I love your your excitement and your energy. If you can in any way possible maintain that, um, that is gonna, that's going to go a long, long ways in the development of your business. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And you know what? Just for the sake oh. of time, because I know that Did we, we lose Nathan. Maybe? Oh no, no, I, I he's I, here for us. Yeah, Am I here. Yeah, yeah, you're there. Can oh, I don't can, see him. Really? No, not I, 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 I see him. Okay, can it, can everybody? <laughs> I, I think I think we're to push you out. Everybody, but Haley, see me right now. <laughs> I can. I, okay, I, I can. Okay, well, hopefully we can get Haley I'll be back. back. All right, we'll look for you, Haley. Um, but what I'm going to okay. do for the sake of time is we'll go ahead and jump back into, or we'll jump into the questions that Alana oh. sent to us ahead of time. And um, that way we make sure we have enough time to get through these because they're good. First of all, they're good questions. Alana, mm -hmm. thank you for posing them to us. And it's fun to kind of, well, it was, it was good food for thought, certainly for me. I'm sure it was for Rich and Heather and for Haley as well. And so let's just get to them right away. And I think these questions are good, not only because it's helpful to those photographers who are relatively new to the industry, but it's also good food for thought for those of us who have also been in the industry for a little while. I think they're relevant really to any and everyone. And um, so let's just get right into it. And I'm going to make sure that we get Haley back in. Haley, I'm, I'm bringing you back. Make sure that you don't make a, a crazy face as I do. <laughs> All right. There we go. All right. So can, can everybody see me and hear me? Okay. I, I yes. can see everybody else. Yes. And yes. Um, what we'll do is we normally do is, is uh, as we, uh, as each of us answer these questions, we'll, we'll kind of go into solo mode and hopefully that'll help with any potential bandwidth issues. But the first question that Alana sent to us, um, she said, so much of photography sales comes from having a true connection with your clients when responding to emails and digital quotes for services. How do you establish that connection? And uh, so, Rich and Heather, I'm going to go ahead and jump to you guys first and let you take this one. Yeah, um, I guess I'll take this one because uh, mm -hmm. I am the initial contact. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I'm so nervous. Alana, what, what if you don't like my advice? <laughs> oh, my God. I would love your advice. I am. For <laughs> <laughs> <So>, um, knowledge. <laughs> um, uh, the biggest thing, uh, being, being a, um, I guess, a seasoned wedding photographer now, I guess I could call myself a, an old timer. That's politically uh, correct for old, old. <laughs> like picture parentheses and the word old. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, the, I am first and foremost, a people person. I, I want the acceptance of people and I pour my heart and soul into my business, business photography. Um, I, um, and Alana, I can see that you do, you do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, um, and so I, 
um, the the biggest thing I had to do, I had to had to come up with a balance. I had to come up with a balance of having uh, being able to uh, have thick skin because uh, of rejection, and but also be fresh and excited to meet new people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would sit down and I, I uh, and I would pour out my soul to these people because again, like it's more than just me taking pretty fit, uh, pretty photos. And, uh, and then I would never hear back from them or I would email and never hear back from them. They're, they ghost me, you know? Um, and, uh, um, it was, it was really, really hard for me. Um, and so, um, but over time you, I just had to say, I had to come to the conclusion that, that, uh, I'm not going to take it personally. Um, and they were not the right, um, right client for me. And I'm, I'm just, I had to be okay with not everyone liking me. Uh, I had to be okay. In fact, it was almost a blessing because I don't want to work with people who don't get who I am. Right. Um, and right. So, and so definitely, I, I when I when I, when I talk my with potential clients, I am as, as transparent as possible. I don't try to try to tell them what, exactly what they want to hear mm-hmm. because if I uh, tell them exactly what I want to hear and then they hire me and they're not my type of client, then we're both miserable. Okay. Right. Um, I can do the job. I can still take pretty pictures for them because I know how to take a pretty picture. But um, if they don't inspire me, because I really do get my, a lot of my energy from inspiration from them, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think this is almost unfair. But I mean, I, I call myself a an energy vampire. Where like we're like I, I we're like I don't yeah. bring the energy, but I mean, uh, but well, you if, do. Well, I guess I do. But, but he I mean, also like, feeds but, off of other. <laughs> I, I I feed yeah. off of other people's energy a whole whole lot. Yeah. Um, I, I could shut down really easily if I, if I, um, if I try to bring the energy and there's no reciprocation and like, oh man, I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know what to do from there. So again, I try my absolute hardest from the very get go from, uh, from that initial kind of, uh, inquiry that, that, uh, that I get, uh, to be as, as transparent as possible. One thing that I do kind of, uh, I do to, uh, to, um, stand out a little bit is, um, is I, I can send them, a, um, especially, especially if they send me a vid, uh, um, a, an inquiry that I can tell they've written me an email. They, they, they've connected with me with my images already. They're, they're not, they're asked for pricing, but you could tell that they are emotionally, they're, they're liking what they're seeing. I will go mm-hmm. a little above and beyond for them, like creating a video for them. Basically they see my, my, um, my yeah. my face and just welcome them and, sh- uh, and like like your like your energy um, can be um, be uh, you can put a lot of exclamation points in your emails to show your energy <laughs> or yeah. um, or you can literally let them see you first first and for- foremost you know it could be your greatest asset that you leverage to attract your ideal client you know mm, yeah and that's so, what I love about the way that Rich reaches out is that he genuinely loves people and wants to get to know them and wants to invest in them as people and know more of their stories. So when he gets an inquiry, uh, it might be, it might be like you said, digitally, it could be from the website or it could be an email, but he's going to respond in as personal a way as possible. So oftentimes that's a phone call because you can hear someone's voice inflection. You can feel their passion and you can connect on a more personal level than you can by simply responding with an email and some pricing. So I love that about Rich. Um, He'll take and he'll put time into that phone call, you know, because that I think at every point in the journey as a photographer, you recognize that your, your photos and your skill and the product is important but you're ultimately selling yourself. You're Mm -hmm. selling who you are as a person. And so those potential clients 
are ultimately going to be like, I want Rich to be my wedding photographer. Mm -hmm. I love Rich, you know, and, mm -hmm. and obviously they've already been attracted by the photos on the website, you know, so. And I'd love yeah. to jump in here with just a couple of things. First of all, we've, we've got Adam um, from across the pond in the UK actually jumping in and Adam, hey, thanks for listening in. He says, just breaking into wedding photography, two under my belt, another two next week. Love the podcast. Awesome. Thanks so awesome. much for listening in, Adam. And, and this sounds like a really great episode to be chiming in. Yeah. Um, he said, how do you guys handle opposite situations where you don't think the client fits you? And I, I do want to make sure that we continue the conversation about communication via email because I think yeah. this is a very important one. But just very quickly, Rich, you mentioned the importance of, of fitting with your clients. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind answering Adam's question there real quick? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. Um, uh, I I do not like hurting people's feelings. So and so so this is a really good one that I still have to work on because there has been a couple of situations where um, they are loving me, but I am not loving them. <laughs> they, I mean, like you know, I, I'm like asking them about their you know, uh, the, I'm asking about their their story, and they're like. You know, we just we met the bar and 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 that that and like they they wrap up their story in like five seconds. Let's, you know, I'm like yeah. I'm like there's there's no there's no emotion, no connection with them. Uh, I mean, or it just is not what I'm really looking for. But they've already like, oh, we want your photos. We want to hire you, and <laughs> they already know I'm already available for the wedding day. I'm like I don't know how to back backtrack this. You know, like uh, I don't. Um, that's a really that's a really good question. Well, I will say that um, this has changed over the course of our business um, because early in your business, I feel like you, um, unless you happen to be one of those people who knows very specifically who you are, why you're doing what you're doing, and and exactly your niche um, as far as photography goes, um, then you will might be more like us, which is you take the jobs that come along mm -hmm. and you do a lot of different things and you try a lot of different things, and that helps you to hone in on defining who you are, defining what your voice is and, and what keeps you going and why you're doing what you're doing. And that in turn leads to a greater understanding and a deeper understanding of who your ideal client is mm -hmm. and a greater ability to actually communicate with those people who you are and why you're doing what you're doing and why you may not be the perfect fit. And I feel like, mm -hmm. and so, you know, this, this progression can take years, mm -hmm. but here we are 11 years down the road. And Rich is very, very honest and upfront when he feels like, Someone's not a great fit, and but he's very helpful to try to uh, recommend a photographer that we might know yeah. in the industry, in the local industry, who is a better fit for that for that client. So, yeah. it, it, you know, it's not a disrespectful exchange. Mm -hmm. It's simply these are the things that you've said to me that make me feel like I might not be the best photographer mm -hmm. for you. And I'm willing to acknowledge that. And I'm also willing to pair you up with who might work better for you. So, so having relationships even with other photographers in the industry is very helpful because you knowing what these different photographers' strengths are is very, very helpful. And being able to refer and you know, yeah, uh, a, a good a good exercise uh, for you right now is take everything you can get. Um, if it goes really well, go back home after the wedding and sit down and figure out why. What, what did mm -hmm. what aspects of, of this client that you really like? Yeah. Um, if it didn't go well, what aspects of uh, and then pretty soon you will start seeing a pattern mm -hmm. and then you can start actually um, putting adjectives to your ideal client. Um, and uh, because uh, sometimes I've actually uh, got hired by some people. And I'm like, this is going to be disastrous. And then I like I like do another engagement session and they were incredible. I'm like, wait a second. I, my expectations mm -hmm. were really down here and they're way up here. Like what what did I get wrong in my assessment of them? And so uh, and so sometimes uh, I am maybe a little bit too quick to judge 
um, uh, mm. th their connection. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I do like I like the point that you made about the, the significance of the relationships to the photographers in your area. I mean, there's so many benefits that come from networking. One of those definitely is yeah. that you can very graciously say, hey, you know what? I don't know that we're the best fit, um, mm -hmm. but I'd love to recommend so and so photographer or even given two or three different options to choose from. I think there's a really significant benefit there. I want to touch on one more thing here. And this is an interesting point. Adam, I'm glad that you asked this question. And uh, I think this is extremely relevant too for Atlanta. And that is, if there is a way for you, whether you have um, some other source of income at this point, or let's say portrait sessions are generating enough income at this point that uh, it will enable you to be more selective with the wedding clients that you're taking on, do that very thing. Uh, and I was just having a conversation with uh, a photographer, Braden Flynn, out of California yesterday for the podcast. It's an episode that's coming up. Uh, but he was talking about, we were, we were talking about the importance of this very idea, which is if there's any way possible to be more selective at the outset, if you have another mm. source of income that will enable you to do that, mm. then do that thing. Um, and it starts with something that we've talked about a lot here on the podcast in the past. And, and that is very clearly establishing your big picture view, your long-term goals for your life, not just on the business level, but personally, which then drives the business model that you create, which then drives the client that you're targeting, that you're going after, which then, of course, drives the price point that you're charging and the service that you're ultimately offering. So being very clear about those things up front is really helpful. But if you're in, in any way in a position to be able to be more selective, do that. I totally get exactly what Rich was saying. And in fact, I did this very thing where we're just kind of taking any work that we could get at the outset. And a lot of photographers in that position there, they need to make ends meet and they need to pay the bills. They take on all the work that they can get. But if you have a very clear idea about what you are striving for from the outset, and there's a way to, to go about being that selective, go ahead and do that. Because now you can speed up that process of really dialing in your brand and the service that you're offering, and mm -hmm. you'll be in a, an even better position for it. Uh, so this is a really interesting conversation, but I do want to get back to where we were. I, I, I'm sure we could probably talk for two or three hours today. I love chatting with you guys as it is, and there's so much to talk about when it comes to um, getting started in photography. But just very quickly, Rich, I, I wanted to get to your point about video in email. I don't know the last time I looked, because I think you make a great point about the significance of sharing a, just some kind of an introductory video to a potential client saying, hey, how's it going? Here's a little bit of information about my pricing. Would love a chance to chat a little bit more. Let's set a time to, to mm -hmm. get on a call or meet for coffee. I think that's a great way to get to know a client. But is there a platform that you use or that you know of at this point that's really easy if oh, you yeah. send an initial email that you can link the client to a video, an introductory video? Oh, yeah. Loom. Have you heard of Loom? I, I get, think I've heard of it briefly. Yes. Maybe you get, mentioned it get, before. Yeah. Get, get Loom. Get Loom.com, I think it's called. But it's just Loom. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a Chrome um, uh, plugin and, uh, and it actually, uh, works with Gmail. And so in the, in, when you're writing an email in Gmail, it'll say, do you want to create a video? You click a video, you create the video, um, and you, and, uh, and then it will actually show a little screenshot of you in the email, uh, with a little play button. So it's like really, really easy for, I mean, it does everything for you. It's so super easy. It's super easy and quick. There's no editing thing. You got to do it on, on the spot. It, it makes it more like organic. You know, there's no like edit, like you got to, you can't polish it. It's you, you know, mm -hmm. and it's something you just want to do it really quick and, and send it off, you know? So yeah. that's good. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Oh, um, yeah. so it's, I'm it's probably going to go sign up for it right after we get done because it, I, it's I, free. I, free. 
And I, when I, I love that, that the personalization aspect yeah. of that. Um, I, I want to jump in in here and just just go ahead and kind of tag on to what Rich was saying, because I, I think we have a similar approach when it comes to email. It's funny you mentioned the significance of uh, punctuation, you know, exclamation points. And as funny as that sounds, uh, I think there is something to be said for actually making an effort to con convey emotion in an email, even if it is a short mm -hmm. Email and actually to that point, even I, some something that I've experienced time and time and time again via email from those even who I am friends with or coworkers with or otherwise is that I'll get a very short email with the appropriate amount of information in order to answer a question or whatever the case may be, but it's so dry mm -hmm. and so I, it, the, the person sounds so or seems so I hear them in my head so disinterested. Um, so there is something to be said for using. I mean, a lot of punctuation. If if you if it Lots makes of sense, heart, heart eye emojis. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Why not? Um, well, because you... especially in this day and age, where um, you know people are so used to. I mean, you speak to emojis, using emojis to convey emotion through a text message. That is how so many people, and probably the majority of at least those around our age and below, are communicating. And so to, to move away from that may even be a little bit confusing. So communicate, use punctuation communicate via email the way that you would actually have a conversation and show some enthusiasm. And that's why I was saying at the very beginning, Lana, I, I love your enthusiasm. And if you can maintain that, um, not just interacting with clients or potential clients in person, but also communicating it via email through punctuation, maybe an emoji, certainly using video. I think it's a great recommendation. Yeah, um, that's that. that's great. a really great way to go. Haley, do you have something to add to that? Yeah. Uh, so I, well, I'm not doing as many weddings now. Um, it's more branding sessions. So just really trying to understand what the client wants. Um, can't truly, I mean, it takes forever if you go back and forth and email. Um, so oftentimes I'll recommend that they give me a time to call them and I'll make it work with my schedule. So they're not, they don't feel pressured to call me, but I'm calling them and I'm getting everything I need out of them because oftentimes they're not going to answer everything you want to talk about over email. Um, and so having that like phone consultation sometimes gives you the opportunity to talk through everything, but then they can also feel your personality without taking the time to go and meet them for an in-person consultation when they're not really sure if they want to book you or not. Right. So for email or for video, I mean, I posted something on our Instagram stories earlier today, and I think I took 15 takes of it. So I feel like I would waste my time trying to video myself. <laughs> but, uh. but I've received emails from some of the, you know, companies we've worked with at Photographers Edit. And it was so awesome. I was like, whoa, he said my name, like, this isn't a template. He like took the time yep. to make this video for me. And it was really, really nice. So yep. Yep. yeah, I like that. I like that touch. Yeah, that's really good. We'll make sure, as I mentioned, to, to link to Loom in the show notes. Um, and you, Rich, did you say it's Loom dot? I think it's gitloom.com. Okay. Um, look for Loom uh, Chrome extension or, or you, know, you, you can find it pretty easy. I think it's Git, Git Loom though. So okay. did, I, did, that, did that answer your question, um, Alana? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, if I could, it's just a really quick like tag along question to um, yeah. what you guys have been saying. Um, so I personally, I got a response and email inquiry to shoot, first shoot a wedding and I did um, send him back an email saying, I'd love to talk with you um, more personally about it and get to meet you and know you um, and gave them a couple times that was working with my schedule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But 
I haven't heard back from them. Should I, I know a bride is probably a million things are thinking in their mind at once. Hmm. Um, but where do you find that balance between not wanting to come off as desperate, but still attentive and caring and wanting to follow up with um, such a good question. So do you want to answer this one? Or yeah, I'll let you guys take this away since you're the most active wedding photographers right now. I think um, this is so, more relevant yeah, to you. Um, I will, I will follow up. I will um, normally, it depends on exactly um, if, if I get the inquiry in the morning, I will, um, I'll email them as quick as possible and then follow up with them the next, the next morning, um, the next day, just a quick, like, like a template email that basically says, Hey, um, Hey, did, did you have, a, have you had a chance to look through the information? I would love to, I'm an open book. Do you, if you have any questions, just let me know, you know, just like, Hey, I, I haven't forgotten about you. Uh, you're not just one, another inquiry that for, um, that I received. I'm going to send this this email to and just completely forget about. Mm-hmm. Um, then if I don't, uh, if I and uh, sometimes I hear back from them, sometimes I don't. And then I will email them again a couple of days later. Um, and then and don't uh, you use a software to remind you to email? Don't you have a? Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. so, uh, so so I have a software again in Gmail that basically um, is called Boomerang, and basically um, it, I, it says that. I can basically say, if I don't hear a response from this email uh, by tomorrow morning, um, send this back to my inbox so it basically reminds me. So I, 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 it keeps it out of my head so I don't have to remember to to email them. Um, and the same thing, um, and so, and then the next email, I'll, I'll say, if I don't hear a response for back from this email, send, uh, send me a reminder in three days, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so again, it gets to the point where like a, a, a lot of brides are busy um, and, uh, and so sometimes they, they never respond. Sometimes um, the, I uh, my last one I think I, I uh, follow up with them in about four, maybe five times. Um, uh, but uh, my last email basically just says, "Oh man, it's an awesome email. Do you have it? Oh my goodness! It basically it basically just says like, hey, um, I." <laughs> Oh, hey, Rich, why don't you actually pull it up? Because I'm going to, we've got a couple, we have a couple of people that chimed yeah. in. First of all, uh, so Bia, he, he chimed in and said, the first time you take on a wedding, should you be honest, tell your client? Um, and this is a good question. And, and the answer, of course, is definitely yes. You definitely want to be upfront with your clients that this is your first wedding. Um, and I think a lot of times, uh, you know, I, I know that for my first wedding, the, the, couple who was getting married, they knew ahead of time, but they had seen my work. They trusted the work enough. And uh, then it's just a matter of communication. And, and we'll get into this a little bit more detail in just a bit, but it's just a matter of, uh, first of all, transparency, certainly, but then actively communicating with them in order to maintain a certain level of trust and comfort. Uh, but yeah, definitely be upfront. And I appreciate that question. And then here I said, I've had my clients FaceTime me. This way they see me and ask whatever they want to. That's a great way to go to. And of course, you can use tools like Zoom uh, or Skype or otherwise. Uh, and by the way, Hira also chimed in. He said, uh, it's useloom.com. There you and go. Uh, <laughs> so that is the the URL you guys are going to want to check out. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. But thanks so much for chiming in, Sobia and Hira. I appreciate that. Uh, Rich, do you have that email for us? I do. I do. Um, so, my, so this is a template. So th- th- this email gets more responses. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Like, like, like if, 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 uh, so a lot of times I, a bride is, is, uh, is emailing so many photographers and, and, uh, and so they, they don't want they just 
they don't want to respond to um, to me again. I don't know why. You know, I think it's kind of rude. You know, I, I you know, but anyway. But uh, my last email I sent them, I, I start very softly and it gets progressively more, not aggressive. Or more loud. Entertaining. So I just basically, I basically say, I haven't heard from you in a while. Um, I haven't heard from you in so long. My Gmail misses hearing from you. I've, I've, I'm assuming the silence is because you've either found another photographer that better suits your needs or that are outside your budget. Or maybe you're really, really busy and can't get to your emails. I, I get like that too. Or maybe you're hiking and the, um, the Appalachian Trail and can't and don't have any signal, or you've been kidnapped. <laughs> I've left in my wild imagination, and just, and then just say, just so I don't worry, please let me know what's what's happening. I'd love to hear back, uh, just just to make sure that you're you're well taken care of. And I'm telling you, that email gets a response almost 100 percent of the time. Like, wow. um, and so it just I love it. I, I feel um, like he's figured out all the creative t- tricks of the trade. <laughs> to set himself apart from yeah, and a lot of times you know, they're, they're like, yeah, we 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 have decided to go with someone else, or but but a lot of times they're like, I am so sorry, I'm a I'm a nurse, uh, we we I've been studying nonstop for a whole week, you know, we had exam week or whatever, I'm still so interested in you, yeah, blah blah, you know, but but again, it sometimes it takes um um several attempts to get to so again, I've learned just not to take it personally if I don't, I'll just. Like I'll I'll email I'll email again I'll email again. And I love again, what you said about not I, sounding desperate, Alana. But the thing is, is that when you're on top of it in your business, you're automatically going to set yourself apart from a lot of other photographers who mm-hmm. just simply don't have it together in terms of the business side of their of their uh, yeah. their business. So yeah. you know, when you're on top of it, I I personally think that it conveys a level of prof- professionalism. It can instill confidence in your clients that you are again on top of it, you're not letting things slip through the cracks. So I personally tend to think that following up more often in a professional way is better than just letting, we've actually booked clients because of this, mm-hmm. um, this software that Rich uses, this boomerang software to remind him to follow up with a certain you know, potential client after a certain period of time has lapsed. And simply by, you know, I, I, there have definitely been clients who have said, wow, you're on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. yeah it, it is amazing. As, as convenient as communication is these days, how that can still set you apart. And um, I mean, the yeah. last thing that you want to come across is, is the the needy girlfriend or, you know, whatever it might be, but you're <laughs> right. not going to be texting them every 30 seconds, sending right. an email, a follow-up email the next day and then the next one in two or three days. I think that's yeah. a great suggestion and yeah. a good timeline to follow. This is really and then, good. And then making the last ditch effort email a very entertaining one. So at least you can part with a laugh if you're parting if you're parting ways you know right imagine my brand if if i if i was uh if i was a um very classically trained (laughs) high-end photographer i would not have emails like that but it matches my personality because i know who i am and i know the kind of clients i want to even attract and so Mm -hmm. there's that whole idea of attraction and 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 rejection like like I'm, I'm repelling those that I don't want to work with and I'm attracting the people I do want to work with. And yeah. so, and so I'm not trying to attract everyone. I'm trying to attract a particular type of client. Right. So, yeah. so, yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, uh, we, we got question one done in a half hour. So we're, we're on. <laughs> <laughs> let's jump to the let's jump to the next one and uh, i really appreciate everybody's contribution including those listening in and, and if you're watching um live right now don't hesitate to comment if you've got questions or you have suggestions around the topic that we're discussing don't hesitate to chime in i really appreciate everybody's 
involvement. But next question, this summer, I had the opportunity to second shoot for several weddings. I just received my first quote shooting my first wedding. I have the confidence I can do it. What advice would you give to a photographer who is shooting their first wedding? What type of packages pricing would you offer for your first wedding? Um, Haley, let's go to you first, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so my first wedding was awful. I shot it for $200. Well, technically I shot one for free, but right before that wedding, I had someone come to me last minute. And so I charged $200. Um, obviously that I probably paid out more than I made for that wedding. But, um, the first thing I would do is figure out your cost of running your business. And that would be, are you paying any second shooters? Are you paying uh, photographers edit to edit the images? What are all of your costs going to be for the day? Include taxes for that. Um, and then how long will you actually spend working on this wedding and figure out what you want to make for an hour and, or per hour, I guess is what I should say. And then from there you can kind of figure it out, but, do remember it is your first wedding and you can't charge what a wedding photographer who has been doing it for 11 years can charge. So I think right. there's like a good balance, but $200 yeah, and, and, for a wedding is probably, I don't think anyone should ever charge that. Well, yeah. yeah. Let's, <laughs> I think I charged 350 for my first wedding and I lost money too, because I was shooting film. So I had to have all the film developed. Um, and that, I, I, uh, that got, I, I, really ahead, expensive yeah yeah i i charged a thousand dollars for my first wedding and i felt like i was going to throw up telling them <laughs> uh that, that that price you know like that was so much i, I know yeah. i know oh, I, it was i was so nervous and, well uh, i i think and that's an interesting point that you bring that up um because i love the very pragmatic kind of practical thought process that Haley is recommending i mean certainly you need to at least cover your costs um, right. But the flip side of it is if you do charge a higher price point, let's say, or even a mid-range price point, you're putting a certain amount of pressure on yourself and creating a certain expectation for your clients that may be a little tough to, to keep up with. Kudos to you, Rich, for, for doing that. I'm, I'm so impressed. Uh, <laughs> but for a lot of photographers, they're already nervous as it is. And if, if you create a certain expectation that's, that's matched with a high-end price point, um, that may create a little bit more pressure than is necessary on both ends. So it's you could go either way here, but but certainly make sure that you are covering your costs. That's extremely important. Of course, the other point of conversation here, I mean, you could go kind of the other extreme outside of covering your costs, not charge anything for the sake and, and do that two or three or four times for the sake of building up a portfolio. Um, you're in, a, I, I think, a little bit more of an advantageous position, it sounds like, Lana, and that you're already shooting. You're already generating an income from your photography. So in this case, you can be a little bit more, um, again, practical and pragmatic and thinking about your costs and then charging a certain fee because you have experience as a photographer. So um, I, I think uh, going going along the lines of what, what Rich did is, is really good. Rich, how did you actually come to that price point? That is a great question. I have no idea. Oh, man, that's too long ago. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I, I just, uh, I, I think I just, I just, just came, I, I was hanging out with you for so long. I mean, like I, I, uh, <laughs> I just thought a thousand dollars was, uh, was, uh, was fair, but really pushing it. So like, I, I just, I just threw the number out there and, um, I was, I, I knew for sure they were going to turn me down and they didn't. But um, also, didn't uh, you have not done more shoot with you? I think, yeah, yeah, he, I, I think yeah. one of the things that, you know, as a new photographer, that would be advantageous to build into the quote that you um, that you give to these potential clients is um, to cover the cost for a, a, an experienced second shooter, someone who knows the ebb and flow of a wedding day. Because I feel like 
as a, as a new wedding photographer, maybe, and even, I mean, the photos are important and, and, and obviously wanting to do a great job as far as the photos are concerned, but also recognizing that if this wedding doesn't have a wedding planner, a lot of people are going to be looking to you to kind of guide them through the day and to know what, what needs to happen and when it needs to happen and have a general understanding of the timeline of the day. And I feel like that's just as big of a piece of the puzzle for a new photographer to figure out as is the actual photography. And so um, having a second, an experienced second shooter would be such a great thing to do. Um, someone who has just has some familiarity with the, with the way that a wedding day should be progressing mm-hmm. so that you can just be really honest and ask that person if you have questions during the day. And that way you don't have to be vulnerable to your client necessarily, but you have mm-hmm. someone on your team who you can kind of confide in and they can mm-hmm. help you. Um, Cause the photographer, you probably already know for a wedding, if there is no wedding planner, you kind of become the default wedding planner. Um, right. And so that would be a piece of advice that I would. You have a second shooter for the whole day. Let's just say that. So I, first of all, I love this recommendation, having a second photographer, but let's just say that either this, this wedding photographer um, can't afford to, or the client can't afford to have this second shooter for the whole day. What segment or segments of the day would you recommend that they have them there for? I guess it depends on the level of experience for the, for the main photographer, because if there's truly no experience shooting a wedding, I would feel like you can't, you can't, we wouldn't really be able to afford not to have a second shooter all day, Mm -hmm. just because these are moments that you simply can't replicate after the fact. It's not like you did an engagement session and you can be like, you know what? I don't feel great about the way that that went. Let's go do it again. It's on me. You know, the, the, the easier parts of the day is the getting ready p- photos. The hardest yeah. part of the day is the reception when there's no available light. So you're mm-hmm. actually shooting with, with, uh, with, mm-hmm. with flashes and with that. Yeah. So if you, I mean, like if, if I was going to pinpoint the, the most important part of the day that you need an experienced shooter would be the reception when there, um, when there is, there's, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to the next level as far as like experience concerned with using external lighting or just using a flash on your camera mm-hmm. or whatnot. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, but uh, there's that. I, this goes back to the networking aspect that, that Nathan, um, when, when we got into it, we jumped in head first into networking and we, we became best friends with so many good photographers in town. And so by the time I shot my first, photo- my first wedding, um, uh, there was a really great photographer named Dun- Matt Dunmore I was friends with. And he, and, and he just, yeah, he just came, I didn't have to pay him. He just came as a friend, you know? And, yeah. uh, and, and even having, having him by my side was like, as a boost of a boost of confidence for me because I'm like, like I I felt so much more relaxed because I knew that he was getting some great shots, um, and uh, and so if it was if I was there by myself I would be like sweating profusely, uh, stumbling over my words, just very very nervous the entire day, um, and so that that was just a huge huge relief. Again, it all goes back to just networking, networking, connections. networking, yeah, yeah, connections for sure. You know? Now, Haley, I do want to get back to, to you because I, I want to make sure we didn't cut you off from any further information you wanted to share. I, one of the things that I did want to point out, I, I thought it was actually interesting as I was um, thinking about the conversation that we just had about pricing, is that the conversation became very arbitrary. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times when it comes to pricing and what to charge in our industry, the conversation does become very arbitrary and, in fact, complicated unnecessarily a lot of times. I want to I want to highlight the point that you made, which is the significance of understanding what you need to charge or want want to charge certainly, but need to charge ultimately per hour. 
Um, if we're looking at this, at this again from a very practical, pragmatic standpoint, especially Atlanta being the position that you are having photographic experience, looking at what you need to charge per hour for the sake of not only covering your costs, but what you need to make for the sake of generating a, a living, uh, making uh, um, or generating the, the appropriate amount of revenue is a really practical, very pragmatic place to start. And I think that's the, the, the best starting point. Um, and, and then, of course, it's dependent on, on the market that you're going after. And, uh, and then in some cases, as we mentioned earlier, certainly whether or not you have any prior photographic experience. So there are a number of factors there. But I, I, again, I, I wanted to highlight the practicality and really the importance of understanding how to, the need to cover costs and understanding what your, your value is per hour that Haley mentioned. Haley, do you have anything to add to this question before we go back to Rich and Heather? No, I do really like what Rich and Heather said, though, because like if I could go back and change one thing about my the start of my photography business, it would be that first wedding because I had never second shot for a wedding. I didn't know any photographers in the industry at the time, and I just went into it very blinded. Um, well, honestly, <laughs> yeah, like I think at that time I had been to like two weddings in the last 10 years, so I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, but luckily, I mean, it was a very low budget bride, a low budget wedding overall. And she truly didn't care as long as she had some pictures from the wedding. So mm -hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of pressure on me, but yeah. to be able to, you know, come and have the confidence of someone else by my side and that second shooter and someone who's had the experience would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. looking back, like I probably should not have been shooting that wedding uh, I probably shouldn't have even been charging for that wedding, but you know, time is time and you pay yeah. for what you get. Like, yeah. and I was very honest, uh, back to that question earlier, they knew it was my first wedding. They knew I had never second shot or anything. And she, she just didn't care because it was, you know, she knew what she was going to get. <laughs> and and that again is important for the, the, the importance of vulnerability or not vulnerability, but transparency up front uh, with experience. I think that's great yeah. because again, it minimizes expectations and the pressure yeah. innate to shooting that first wedding. So that's good. Yeah, Back that's to, good to you, Rich and Heather, do you guys have anything to add in answer to that question? Just real quick. I mean, if we're talking about getting started as a photographer and actually beginning a business, just make sure that um, you check in with the department of revenue, your state department of revenue, and just make sure that, <laughs> we, You're we've learned the hard way because in the first couple of years of our business, we didn't know what was required, uh, with sales tax, sales and use tax. And we didn't know what was required with income tax payments. And so just being, it's, it's not the thing that anybody wants to think about. Photographers generally are creative people. This is not the side of the brain we like to use, but, um, just getting your finances in order so that you know, what's required of you so that you don't get behind on your payments, that gets a whole lot more overwhelming than kind of figuring it out as you go and making sure that you're making the, you're paying the sales tax and that you're paying the, um, the taxes that are due. So that's not fun to talk about, but it's something that when photographers don't address it and, and things get out of hand and they're at the end of the year and they haven't done any bookkeeping for the whole year, the amount of money that you're going to owe at that point is a lot more stressful than the little bit you might have owned, you know, early, earlier in the year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. no, it's, <laughs> it, it's not the sexy topic, but um, it's something that we've certainly emphasized uh, at Boca, and we've talked about it on Workflow Wednesday in the past as well. Is is doing something even just as simple. If if you don't, any of you listening out there who are have either been in business for a while or or maybe just getting started, if you don't have a QuickBooks Online account yeah. or at least a QuickBooks self-employed account, yes. um, yeah. do that 
right the second. It's not difficult to get started. And then you can always get help from a, an accountant to help you appropriately set up that account. And you yeah. can start funneling information in there right away. It's not just helpful for taxes. At the end of the day, you can more intelligently, intelligently run your business when you're aware of the numbers, where that money is going uh, in and out. It's really, really important. Yeah. So that's that's. Yeah. I'm glad that you guys point that out. That was certainly a shortcoming of mine as well. Uh, and uh, that that would be the first thing I'd jump to really for new business owners is make yeah. sure you get that part right to start with so you don't have to pay for it after the fact. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah I mean, uh, my, my ultimate thing is just do something. I mean, if you're moving forward, mm-hmm. you'll make you'll make a lot of mistakes, but but you'll learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. But just don't just don't don't get discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like like just by God's grace alone, do we, we did we survive in this business? Because we made every mistake. I, I, never, went to, <laughs> I never went to business school, you know. Um, yeah. And so uh, and so we we just went, we went through and we made a lot of mistakes, but we just kept on moving forward slowly, mm-hmm. but slowly and mm-hmm. slowly, yeah. and eventually. Um, we're perfect like we are now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do want to ask, we have a few more questions to get to. So for the sake of time, I just want to respond very, very quickly. I had just a few key points that I wanted to share as far as the actual wedding day is concerned. Um, and these seem obvious and they're very, very simple conceptually, but important to keep in mind for that day. Uh, number one would be to make sure that you know the timeline well. This is something that we just talked about in a recent episode. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really, really important to know the timeline well. Make sure that you've communicated, certainly with the bride. Um, if there is a wedding coordinator or wedding planner involved, also have a detailed conversation with them as well. But make sure you have detailed awareness of that timeline um, and that you've, you've studied enough that it's just, it's you, you, you look at the time on your watch, your phone, and you know what's coming up next. And, and it's something that uh, Rich has talked about using is the calendar app on his phone so that he knows what's coming up next. Next, He can just look very quickly. And I think that's a great way to go about it. Plug that timeline into your calendar on your phone or your, your course, which will then sync to your watch if you've got a, a watch as well. That's a great way to go about it. But know the timeline well. Um, so that you can stay on top of things. Know the key players well, not just those wedding vendors who are there for the day, obviously, in particular, the wedding coordinator, if there is one, uh, but also know not only the the uh, the bride and groom's immediate family, but those key friends or other family members that might be there um, who you need to be aware of, certainly for the sake of pictures, but some of those who may be involved in the ceremony or the reception that you need to be looking out for, capturing images of. Make sure you know the key players well, and that comes from conversation with that client or those clients up front. Um, I, I just, I literally just shared uh, my old questionnaire, wedding questionnaire that um, that I used to use in consultations with my clients with Haley. Uh, if that's not already posted in the show notes from, I think, was it two weeks ago, Haley? Uh, yeah, it was earlier in August. So we did a Workflow yeah. Wednesday episode in August talking about um, how to go about uh, managing the timeline for the wedding day. And in the show notes there, um, she's linked to this this document just to kind of give you an idea of some of the questions that you might want to ask the wedding client before the wedding day. But uh, part of that, of course, has to do with the relationships that you want to be aware of, the key people there. And then the third thing, and, and this again seems obvious, I realize, but um, is knowing your camera well. And what I mean by this is to the extent that it's almost that there's just muscle memory involved. It's second nature that you don't have to look down at the camera to reach for a particular button or you get into a certain lighting situation, especially when using flash or off camera light. 
and you know what setting to jump to. And this certainly comes with experience, but um, if for number one, you already, I know that you're already photographing Elena and, and that makes a big difference. Um, but if you know that you're going to be running into certain lighting situations on that wedding day that you're not familiar with, or you're not used to going ahead and creating those ahead of time and, and shooting in those a, a number of times prior to the wedding so that you know what to do in that moment, what equipment to pull, what settings to go to so that it, it's just second nature. Uh, that makes all the difference in the world. I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but that wedding that I shot a week or two ago, it was, I hadn't photographed a wedding literally in six years, uh, but I had done it so much before hundreds of weddings um, that it, it literally came back just like that. I, I go to start shooting and I immediately went into that, that photographer mode and even using a camera system that I, th that I wasn't familiar with as a general rule. I used to shoot Nikon. This was Canon. Um, I, I was still able to, to utilize that system effectively because of that so-called me muscle memory. So knowing the camera well to the extent that you can just almost automatically um, go to the appropriate settings, use the equipment um, like, like you can is really, really important. So I just wanted to throw that in there really quick. We'll go ahead and jump to the next question. And uh, this is a great one. I'm really curious to hear this from the answer from everybody. But uh, Alana said, what books are you reading? Um, Rich and Heather, let's go to you guys first. Oh, don't ask me. I'm reading question. all the books required to homeschool a fifth grader and a second grader, <laughs> <laughs> which is oh so relevant to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I have a, a couple of books I can definitely recommend to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm actually curious about this, Rich, because I, I I think you commented on the email thread ahead of time yeah. too. But it, I I know that you don't generally read a ton of, of business books or otherwise. Is there a particular reason for that? Do you do you tend to spend more time reading like news, tech news, or otherwise, or what's the reasoning? Um, I I just have severe ADD. I I, I cannot. It's really really hard for me to concentrate on on uh, for an extended period of time. Um, and so um, normally, so so I've I, I, so, so, so I've, I, I've worked all day. My brain is normally tired. So and so um, so if you put like a fiction book in front of me and it's entertaining, that I could probably I, I can do it. But if it's like mm -hmm. something I have to concentrate on and and think about and and remember. Um, then it's, it's a lot harder for me. So uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's just who I am. It's not like I, I'm against books. I should read more books, but mm -hmm. uh, um, but. Uh, and what would you say is your primary source of learning new information? Um, if not books, it, it's it, Heather. You the, mentioned articles. The, but the, there the other... book, a podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he does listen to a lot of business podcasts. That is his, cause he spends a lot of time in the car traveling. And so audiobooks and podcasts are definitely the way to go for him. We yeah. love how I built this Ooh, so inspiring. a whole lot. Yeah. It really is extremely yeah. inspiring. Yeah. For, for those of you who aren't familiar with that podcast, we'll link to it in the show notes as well. Awesome. Um, and by the way, these show notes are getting posted at bokehpodcast.com. Speaking of the podcast, B-O-K-E-H. P O D C A S T bocapodcast.com. Um, Haley does a great job putting together the show notes from these episodes and our other podcast episodes. So make sure you go check it out. We'll link to um, that particular podcast as well. Yeah. Uh, the the so, podcast, the audio books, certainly a, an incredible tool to take advantage of for those yeah. who aren't as comfortable reading from a, a physical book or from a Kindle or otherwise. Yeah. So, uh, so Alana, um, uh, a couple of books I definitely would recommend for, uh, because it's helped me so much is two books. Um, one is um, Start With Why, which is a great, great book. Because again, um, 
if you can figure out the, the reason why you're so passionate about photography and you can then put that into a story format of, of then you can basically you can inspire your clients. And when you inspire clients, they will spend more money on you from, from an experience because they 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 are in their they they identify with you, they agree with you, they want to get into uh, your your sphere, you know. Um, if you can figure out the reason why, you know. Um, and so I was when when I was first became a photographer, I was so passionate about, and I was so I was so thirsty, so hungry for for um, uh, for wanting to photograph um, con the connections between two people that I had actually had to sit down and figure out why I was so so passionate about it. Um, and and uh, and over over time, I figured it out. Um, and uh, and and even to this day, I use that to eat, uh, for potential clients to. Um, and so mm -hmm. and so, if if they're like, "Wow, that's awesome," we want to hire you. You know, but I mean, um, and so so and start with why. That's that's Simon yeah. Sinek. What's the other one, Rich? Um, the other one I got from the book of podcast a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I tell you, I, I, I do listen to it. Um, it's a uh, the the um, the uh, what is it called? Uh, um, building building a story brand uh, by Donald Miller. Um, it's another great book. As, as again, um, be able to actually. Um, Again, create that um, um, the why and the story behind your brand. People, uh, people, humans in general identify more. They love stories. Mm -hmm. uh, they identify with stories. Um, uh, stories move them, um, and uh, because you are emotional um, and you want to capture emotion, you want everything to every everything about your your brand to touch that that touch the emotions, um, and uh, and. And so, yeah, I would recommend yeah, that's, this. That's an amazing, amazing book. That was actually one of the ones I was going to recommend as well. It, oh, when man. it comes to not just the significance, understanding the significance of the story when it comes to marketing, but then practically how to then wrap that into your marketing efforts. Um, right. It is an extremely, right. extremely powerful book. So yeah, highly, highly recommended for that. Um, Haley, what about you? Building a story brand was one of mine. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't actually read it though. Uh, a book club I just joined. It's, it's a business book club, and that's cool. the September book. So I'm really excited to read it. I just bought it. Um, it hasn't come in yet, but I'll let you know if I like it. <laughs> Which, according to everyone I've talked to that has read it, I will love it. Um, but the other one I've been reading is more of like a. A book for women in their 20s, it's called Girl, Wash Your Face um, by Rachel Hollis. And it's it's more of like a self-love. Girl, girl, wash her face? Wash your, your face. face. Wash your face. Okay. okay. <laughs> so it's like a self-love book, um, learning to love yourself. And I'm not very far into it, so I can't give you a recommendation on it. But so far, it's, <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, and then I have to have a uh, entertaining book as well. So right now I'm going through the Harry Potter audiobooks. Okay. That's what I do when I am driving in my car, if I'm cleaning, whatever it is, the audiobooks are where it's at. <laughs> and by the way, his narration voice in those audiobooks is absolutely stunning. That Oh, who narrates them? I cannot remember his name, but I, I heard a while back that, that like this is just absolutely incredible. So we, with my kids, we were listening to the, to the sample of the, the narration for these audiobooks. This kind of rich, deep voice, and of course the British accent, and it's just beautiful to listen to. So yeah, that's awesome. 
There's yeah, you, two versions. Uh, I, okay. I cannot remember the names. If Steven was here, he could tell you which one's better because <laughs> he's listened to all of them, both versions. So Very cool. So we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, I, we already mentioned building a story brand. So apparently it's a theme, Alana, and, and that's the one you're going to want to go to <laughs> first. Really, that is it. Um, I'm, I'm really huge on, on psychology. I mean, the psychology that drives our behavior because um, it, we, can, we can talk about running a business and reading business, read business books specifically, but at the root level, if we're not healthy on a personal level, that translates to what we do in business as well. So the first one that I'm going to recommend, it's one that I talk about a lot on the, on the podcast, is called Reawaken the Giant Within. It's actually a free book. It's an ebook, about 100 pages long, Tony Robbins. Uh, when it comes to developing, establishing a healthy baseline psychology that not only certainly affects your business, but also your personal life, that's just life-changing. And for anybody who's not read it, you're, you're seriously missing out. So highly recommend that one. Um, and then the other one, uh, for the sake of relationship psychology, because obviously so much of what we do is interacting with people, is a classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And uh, that is one that uh, we'll also link to in the show notes as well. Um, I know that I was typing the names of the the uh, titles a second ago and putting those up on screen. I'm having a hard time typing and talking at the same time, but <laughs> we'll we'll make sure to link to the, the titles uh, in the show notes. Let's jump to, we've got two more questions here and we'll kind of move quickly. Um, yep. Which photographers influenced you and how did they influence your thinking, photographing and career path? Uh, Haley, let's go to you first on this one. Uh, yeah, so I don't have one right now that like really stands out um, because I am I see so many different photographers with working with photographers at it. So I mean, any photographer that has established a business and still has time for their family first is basically any photographer that I look up to. Um, but when I first started getting like serious about photography, Julie Paisley was, such a huge inspiration seeing her travels, um, becoming a travel photographer pretty much while still living, you know, close by in the Nashville area. Cause we're in Chattanooga. Um, just being that, able to, is that spelled, is it P A I L or S L E Y? Is that correct? Yes. Okay, I think so. But like, I mean, she'll even say now, like just a few years ago when she decided to take a whole new path and go into photography, she's blown up so much since then. And it's just amazing how her career has evolved and she's still been able to focus on her family. And that to me is what I look for in inspiration now. Hmm. That's really, really cool. Okay. So let's, um, Rich and Heather, let's go to you guys and, and we'll make sure to link to Julie's website in the show notes. I feel terrible because I, I know that I've had email conversation with Julie and, and I just can't picture how I, I think we spelled it right, but forgive us if we did, Julie. Um, at Rich and Heather, let's go to you guys. What Talk to us about in, influential or inspirational photographers oh, in your career. Oh my goodness. So, uh, so you, you know the answer to this. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so, uh, um, you don't know this Atlanta, but, but, um, uh, Nathan and, um, his business partner at the time, uh, uh, inspired me to do what I'm doing right now. And, wow. um, and, and, and so, so, uh, Nathan probably still remembers the back exact moment that he met us because <laughs> I, I uh, at the time I was a web designer. I was uh, photography wasn't even, even like an option for me. I, 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 you know, and so, uh, um, and so at the time I, I, I found the website 
I was inspired. They they linked to uh, some people in California that they were they were buddies with, and they and that people that person like linked up. And so by this time, I was highly in like entrenched in in and uh, and they were blogging everything. Sorry about that. Uh, they were blogging everything, and so I, I knew who they were. Um, they they and so. Well, when I saw saw Nathan for the first time, I went up to him and just, you know, <laughs> said, hey, my Nathan. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's, and I, just, I just went off. So Not stalker mode. It, it was stalker mode at, at, at his finest. And, and Nathan was just the kindest. He was just like, um, and so he's like, hey, you, you got a new photo- new camera? I mean, like, let's go out. Let's go shoot sometime. I'll show you how to use it. And, and to yeah. me, that was like Picasso saying, hey, <laughs> uh, let me teach you how to paint. You know, I mean, two days were, literally, it was amazing. So I was really, really blessed. I was lucky to actually, uh, uh, I became really good friends with Nathan. Uh, he helped us along this whole path. If I had a question, he was an open book. Um, and so at that the, was back when we were reading Tim Keller's book, Love is the Killer App. You yeah, know? yeah. You need to read and, that book. How about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that, and so, uh, and so I was really lucky because what, what Nathan is, he's very, very confident uh, of, of, uh, in his photography and who he is. And so that was really, I was really lucky in that way because he wasn't, he wasn't, um, he was not uh, um, offended or he, he, he didn't put up. Um, shields when I tried to like ask him questions he didn't try right. to like you know block block me or try to you know he, 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 he didn't feel threat he didn't feel threatened at all you know and so uh, and so um, and so at first when I start first started my photography business I basically paralleled him I, I'm like here's his business here's me and we, we whatever he did I did okay <laughs> but, but as I grew as I grew as a photographer and I grew more confident I figured out who my voice is. And right. so, and so, I, when I figured out my why, and I figured out uh, who I was. Then, then my style, the way I approach things, started. Uh, it's start, less about emulating the person that you respect and admire, and more about figuring out, like he said. But, but I had to start somewhere, and so, yeah. like, like oh, I started off mm-hmm. uh, just again, just emulating because I, I wanted to do something, and that's mm-hmm. the only thing I knew. And they were doing it really well, and so why not? Um, and but but then uh, as I became more and more confident and more experienced, then again I started kind of veering off into my own uh, my right. own you know. Yeah. And so and then in 2012, I, I saw how incredibly Rich was doing. And I was just like, peace out. I'm not sure yeah, I don't even try to compete anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, oh, you guys are very gracious. I I, I mean, it, um, I want to give you a big hug right now, but um, I know I, it was awesome. Do you do you remember that point? Do you remember that that when I, I do, I do. We were in church, yeah. And you guys came up and we chatted for the first time, and I, yep. I think we were looking at pictures the other day. Um, not long after that, Heather, didn't you join us at, we went to the, the local aquarium or something like that. Oh yeah. Out. I mean, we became really we good friends very and quickly. photography was something that. Well, I mean, I remember the time where like we asked them over to our house and they accepted <laughs> and then they were on our front porch. Oh, and we're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was oh, that's so funny. So, I'm, I'm glad that they put up with, with our fandom for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. your 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 friendship means more than the world to me, and and um, I, that those are very kind and gracious words. But I love that we can laugh about it too. Um, I, and and seriously, I you know particularly last week's episode. I think we finished up last week's episode, and and I even commented to Haley. I think after the fact, I was like, man, Rich had so much to offer in that that episode. I'm just I'm so impressed by you know what he's doing, 
And yeah. um, so it speaks to the reality that, that Rich pointed out, which is that, yeah, he may have started off emulating a photographer or certain photographers, but he's really created his own business and it stands on its own and it stands strong. So props yeah. to you, Rich, for that. That's yeah. really, really <laughs> impressive. Um, That's I'll, really I'll encouraging. Oh no, a hundred percent. I'm I'm so I I'm more impressed as as we go along. So yeah, awesome. kudos to you guys for that. Uh, I'll just throw out very quickly a, a couple of people, and and some may seem obvious, maybe others don't. Ansel Adams. I know it sounds so cliche, but initially, as I was trying to figure out kind of the intricacies of the technicalities of photography, Ansel Adams was actually an inspiration to me. Um, and and the the way that he managed the tonality of black and whites that that was just it was so impressive to me, and so. Um, that was one photographer, certainly. Uh, on the wedding photography side of things, um, first of all, Joe Busink mm -hmm. uh, is a photographer who's mm -hmm. still shooting, I think, at least a little bit. Um, he had a very raw style of, of photojournalism that I, I was just really, really drawn to. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he's photographed a number of celebrities. And in fact, um, what I want to do, Alana, is, is send you a copy of this book that I found a lot of inspiration from. Uh, Jessica. So back in the day, I don't know if you guys remember Jessica Simpson and Nick, is it Leahy? Yep. Yep. Um, when they got married, this is like early two thousands or thereabouts. Uh, they, they put together this just stunning, stunning book. And so much of it is Joe's photography in it. And again, wow. it's a very raw style of photography, heavily grained, um, and, but just very beautiful. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure that we send you a copy of that just so you can get a little bit of inspiration leading up to your, your, your wedding coming up. But, um, Joe Busink was another, and uh, again, just for the, his, not only his raw style, but I will say too, I mean, we're speaking about the quality of, of people and personality and connecting with people. Joe is as a person that you want to connect with, mm -hmm. uh, the way that he puts himself out there emotionally, he's extremely vulnerable and transparent and, and, um, he's able to connect with, with clients on a, on a very deep level that, is is I think it shows in his work, um, so that's really important. The last person I'll mention before we get to our last question is uh, Mike Cologne, and uh, I it, the last I checked, I think Mike's uh, website is is temporarily under construction. But uh, Mike Cologne is a photographer who's been in the industry for a long time, and uh, his both kind of classic approach to wedding photography, but also a certain level of sophistication combined with a, a certain minimalism. It, Mike's not really followed the trends with all this heavy, heavy processing, the film look or the Lomo look or whatever it was. <laughs> very, Lomo, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. It's, he's had a very clean, very classic style and, and has worked with a high-end segment of the market as well. And so it was enviable in that sense. Uh, but I found a lot of inspiration in Mike. And, and um, uh, so that, those would be the three photographers that I'd throw out there off the bat. There's so many, as, as Haley alluded to earlier, and I think there's almost a, an overwhelming number of good photographers these days. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard to land on one or two or three different people to follow. It's it's a lot different than when I started. And you, I mean, literally go to the to Barnes and Noble and get a, a wedding photography book and flip through the pages in okay. order to find inspiration. But um, those are a few that we found inspiration from, and uh, we'll make sure that as as is possible to link to them in the show notes as well. Um, last question, and we're going a little bit long, and I need to finish up here, and I'm sure you guys do too. But uh, the last question was, what is the best overall lens for wedding photography? And uh, Rich, I'll, I'll go to you for this one first. Um, so, Alana, I just want a clarif clarification. If you're, if you're saying the best overall, like if, if I had to shoot a wedding with just one lens, yes. 
Yes, if you had just one lens. Man. What would you well, I guarantee you it's going to be the same lens that Nathan's going to say. <laughs> um, you want to say at the same time, Nathan? Okay. Um, I mean, on one, three, right? Two, two, one, three, two, three. 50, 50 millimeter. millimeter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the crazy thing is that I don't shoot with a 50 millimeter at the wedding, though. Uh, um, that, but uh, um, I, I, I do. Yeah, Heather does. She does. Um, but uh, I'll say um, I like to shoot really uh, – I have a, a 24 uh, prime lens on, my, uh, on one camera, and I have a zoom lens, a 70 to 200 on my other camera. And so um, the 50 millimeter is not even in that. that but uh, um, that's, I use those two lenses for, for, for 99% of the time for my, for my weddings. I have a wide angle because, again, to um, the human brain is um, the human eye sees that 50 millimeter. And so, if you if you show a, a, photo, a photo that's wider than 50 millimeter, your brain is all, automatically is going to see more interest in that. The same thing at 200 millimeter, like your brain is, is not used to seeing those millimeters, um, and so you're you're going to see more interest in that. Um, but for for detail shots, the 50 millimeter is where it's at. I mean, like you know, um, we almost use the 50 millimeter exclusively for detail shots. And that price point is hard to beat too. The 51.4 and both Nikon and Canon. Yeah. I'm not sure what the Sony price point is, but you know you can get one. For three hundred fifty bucks, it's it's fast. Bucks, yeah, um, yeah. It, so it's it's a yeah. really really great. great if you can get, if you can get the prime or the 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 nice the nice one the one point two get it. Um, the glass is incredible, but that I mean that's four four times more for sixteen hundred. You know, yeah. probably sixteen hundred dollars. But I mean, if you can get it, get it. You know, but but if you can't, the four hundred dollar one is great. I started with a one point eight. Um, That's the, right. The, the one hundred dollar lens is like one hundred twenty dollars now. Like that, you oh know, my gosh. it doesn't have an ultrasonic motor, and I would focus on <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I shot my thousand dollar wedding with that with that lens. So, yep. so well, oh, yeah. you, you got to start somewhere, you know. Clearly, we weren't covering our expensive equipment costs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I shot with a, 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 rebel, a rebel and a Canon yeah. Rebel, Canon yeah, Rebel, fifty one point eight. We we laugh about that, but that fifty one eight it, it did the job. Um, oh yeah, and, oh, and yeah. so it, it's it, one one of the things that you know we talked about finances briefly earlier. But don't go into debt unnecessarily yeah. for equipment, and that the fifty one eight is more than good enough to get the yeah. job done for the first two or three weddings or whatever you need oh, yeah. to, to to shoot in order to then afford to upgrade. So oh, yeah. yes, it, photographers do get very distracted buying gear that their clients won't notice the difference if yep. they didn't have. Yep. So. <laughs> Yep. And it's really easy. I mean, I, I, I ride motorcycles. It's kind of my, my one hobby um, that, that uh, I spend probably most of my time on. But I, just like with motorcycles, the same thing happens in photography. It's very easy to kind of theorize and conceptualize and to talk about ideal scenarios and, you know, zoom into 300% on images and talk about chromatic aberration and pixelation and all this mm -hmm. other stuff that, 99.9% .9 of the time doesn't really actually have any bearing in, in the context of photography on mm -hmm. running a business, not only running a business, but ultimately providing a really great service to your clients. Yeah. Um, so if you have to start at a baseline for the sake of not going into debt, do that very thing. The equipment that we have access to, I mean, for that matter, we could easily shoot a, a, a wedding on a phone these days mm -hmm. if we if we had right. to. Um, so start with the baseline stuff. If that's all you can afford, you don't have to feel ashamed by that. Um, that yep. There's great equipment for very reasonable prices. And by the way, I'll go ahead and throw this out. KEH.com. It's a, it's a company that's based in Atlanta is a really, for those of you listening in who want access to inexpensive gear that it, it is used gear. Um, I think they sell some new stuff too, but it's very, very well um, classified or categorized based on um, the, uh, 
uh, I'm totally slipping my mind. The, uh, the condition condition. Thank you. My word. I don't know what happened there. Uh, the condition of the equipment. Um, it's usually when I ordered from them back in the day, it was not only as good as they said, and in many cases it seemed even better. Um, than what they said it was. So they, they've got a very strict rating system and I cannot recommend KEH enough uh, if you want uh, kind of a way to save money. You know, eBay, I, I didn't generally have bad experience with with equipment from eBay, but KEH is a is a, a reputable place that you can go to if you need used equipment. Haley, do you have a favorite lens? Um, well, I have to because it was hard for me to choose like I love the quality of the photos that the 50 produces, but I don't think, and you're going to make fun of me so much for this. I don't think I could handle shooting a whole wedding with it. Yeah, um, no, I get it. So I actually love my kit lens, the 24 to 105, just because I, I can get things really fast. I don't have to move around a ton if, you know, the space is limited or whatever the situation might be. So for me, like, even if it's a, the 70 to 200, um, I don't have one of those. It's on my list of equipment to buy. But at the same time, I since I'm not doing weddings as much anymore, I don't know that it's necessary. So I'm thinking of testing one out before I actually jump in and make that purchase. Um, but my 24 to 105 is rarely leaves my camera. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is. A, and I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but the wedding that I shot, I, I posted an image on my Instagram account. If you just go to Nathan Holritz on Instagram, you'll see it, uh, I don't know, maybe three posts ago. Um, it's a, an image from the the wedding that I shot a couple of weeks ago, and we're speaking about the uh, just really the quality of even the baseline equipment. I shot that particular image. It's at at sunset of the couple kissing. Um, the, the wonderful, the beautiful compression of the background and the bokeh. Uh, it's it's a stunning, stunning picture, but captured with a as you were saying, just the kit lens, a twenty four to one hundred five that also happens to have image stabilization built into it. Um, if again, if you can't afford anything else, don't go get it. I mean, you can, you can capture great imagery. You can create even good video. I shoot all of our video content or most of it anyway, with that particular lens, um, mm-hmm. for, for the sake of marketing, it's a great lens. Um, and there's no need to, to go get kind of pseudo intellectual about all of this, this fancy mm-hmm. gear out there, mm-hmm. um, that really becomes more conceptual than anything else. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to use. Uh, but at the end of the day, if 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 you can get the job done with the basics, be okay with that. Um, yeah. No need to try to, to to end up in any kind of competition with your fellow photographers over over gear, especially if it means going into debt. So yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'll end on that note. Um, I know that we went a little long today, but I, I've this has been one of my favorite episodes yet. I think I it's a great practical conversation, and I appreciate everyone sharing. Thank you guys so much, so much. This is such been such of a course. Well, and, and Elena, I, I want to make sure um, I, I posted your your website earlier. Uh, it, for those of you listening in, it's aelphotos.com. Uh, for those of you watching, of course, I just put that up on the screen there. But uh, you all make sure that you go give Elena some, some love there at her website. Give her some encouragement for her upcoming wedding. Thanks so much for making time to, to do Workflow Wednesday and the Boca podcast and um, asking these questions today. It was great to meet you, Alana. Alana, you're welcome. All of you guys. All right. Great talking to you guys. Thanks, everybody, for joining in. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. 
My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>